Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 283 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is August 26, 2013, just a couple days away from USC's kickoff against Hawaii on Thursday night over in Hawaii. We've got a big show for you this week on the podcast. Lots of questions to get you with Dan Weber and Harvey Hyde answering all those questions for you. If you have any questions for us for next week, Drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or give us a call, 206-888-6755, or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page and leave us a voicemail right there. Without further ado, I wanted to bring in Coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, Coach? How you doing? How you doing, Ryan? It's game week, buddy. It Time is. Time to get fired up and get ready for the first opening game of the year, and I'll tell you, as a fan, as a coach, as a player, it's always the game you're most nervous about. You work all year round, but you really don't know what to expect from your team, and you don't really know uh, what to expect from your opponent. They could change their offense. They could change their defense. They could be a better football team than what you anticipated. So it's a uh, huge week, and it's, a, it's a, uh, an exciting week. It's a team that you wait for, uh, a game that you wait for the entire year, and it really sets the tone of your season, your feeling about your team. Do you believe in your team? Does a team believe in themselves? This is what it's all about when you open up. I agree with you, Coach. And uh, I know the fans have been waiting for months and months, especially after the disappointing bowl game. They want to see something a little more special coming out of this USC football team. We'll see if that happens on Thursday. Before we jump into everything, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com. If you want to see the Red Hot Dodgers or any other sporting event, concerts, theater, anything like that, or give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. And, Coach, I guess the biggest news, and I wanted to definitely get your comments on this, and uh, I guess we could, you know, is the quarterback situation. And Lamar had wrote in uh, before that it was announced that Lane Kiffin said he's going to play both guys. He wanted, uh, Lamar wanted to see, uh, both of these guys get to play uh, in the Hawaii game and let them compete in a game-time situation. But he wanted to get what your take on that was. He's He called you Coach Hyde the Rebel. That's from Lamar. Okay, Lamar. <laughs> well, buddy, I just Lamar, I'm just me, okay? I'm just a guy that's talking what I feel and uh, what's going on, and I hope you people enjoy it. In fact, I went to Salute to Troy on Saturday and saw a lot of, of you uh, – uh, listeners out there, and it was great talking to you and getting your views, and uh, please share them with us, and uh, we'll be happy to talk to most of you about as many as we can get to. But uh, my feeling as far as the quarterback situation, that this could take the whole hour, but I won't do that, <laughs> is, you know, I think you, you've you got to make a decision. Uh, I think you uh, you now have watched two kids compete for a long period of time. And uh, you know one kid is going to be very disappointed in his family and, and everything. 
but as a coach and as a teacher and as a head football coach and as a leader, you've got to make these type of decisions. This is what you're there to do because it's time to decide who's going to be the guy that steps in the huddle and who's going to be the guy that leads you uh, to battle. And uh, these two individuals have worked hard. These two individuals have competed. These two individuals have done every single thing you've asked them to do. And you've been waiting for one of them to break. You've been waiting for one of them not to compete. But both of these individuals have continued competing, have continued to believe that they will be the starter. Now, if you really believe that as a coach, that you have not been able to determine and both are 100% equal, then uh, I don't know uh, what your thoughts might be on how to solve that. That might be rotate them both uh, as far as uh, in one half and one other half, uh, flip a coin to see who's going to start the game if you really believe they're both equal so they know you didn't pick one over the other. But myself, I think you hurt the team when you don't have your leader by now. You've got to name who the guy is going to be that the team rallies around, that the team looks at, that the team knows they've got to support this guy, that when this guy talks, they're going to move, that uh, that is their commander in the huddle. And he has to now take control of the offensive unit. He has to now get the rhythm going, the snap counts, look at the receivers, the receivers read his eyes, the backs get a smooth mesh with the running uh, plays, the bootlegs, uh, the rhythm of the count, the snap count, all of the above. And I think it's going to not, uh, you're not going to see the most polished offensive team when you're rotating you still have that doubt. How do you all of a sudden tell someone the night before the game of the day you're starting? You just don't have that same edge. you got to have that edge during the week saying, hey, I'm starting, I've won the I'm going to go out there. I've got to play the game. You play the game in your mind over and over and over. I do as a coach. I play the game. I'm in charge of the game. The kid wants to be in charge of the game. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to be critical when I say that, that he hasn't picked that, but I'm going to say I think the team would perform better. I think that if you ask the players on the team who should be the quarterback, I would think they could have made that decision for you. And I'm not picking one or the other, but I'm just saying I think that your offense and your team would respect you more and your offense would perform better if they know who the guy is. Uh, interesting stuff, Coach. We'll have to wait and see what happens Thursday. We don't even know what the rotation is going to be. Um, but David in, in, uh, the, in Orange County, he said, I've heard all the things about people are saying about Max versus Cody. First offense, first defense, and all that. Is anyone talking about uh, Kiffin's offense versus Clancy Pendergast's defense? USC always struggled against the Oregon State defense in the past. What do you think about that being a factor uh, this fall? Well, uh, you know, when you're in camp, uh, we talked about this last week, you go against the same offense every single uh, day, so you get to know that offense. And when you go against the same defense every day, you should start to get to know that same defense. And I think what you see, what starts to happen, and it happens not on purpose, but it happens, is when you need a big play, you know where the weakness of the defense is, so you do it. And that bails you out. And it's the same thing on the uh, defensive side. You know the offense, and if you need a big play, you do it. 
because you know that this certain coach is calling the plays or the certain coach is calling the defense. You know what his call is going to be. So you really, it's time now to go after another color. And, and believe me, I believe that when you do things well, you don't need to work on it as much as you need to work on things you don't do well. Because those are the things that you need to win. If you can throw the deep ball and you've got great receivers, then so be it. We can do that. And if you're a defensive secondary or a defensive team and you can't do certain things well, then we've got to work on that or we've got to cover it up or we've got to find a way to make that strong. So uh, I don't think you accomplish anything when you just scrimmage and then when you know you need something, you go after the thing you know you can get. So I, I think that uh, uh, it's time to play a game. My number one thought is how do you get better in your preseason football games so that you can take on the Pac-12 conference, which I think is the second-best conference in college football. So, you know, you have that opportunity because of your schedule this year. The University of Hawaii, nothing against Norm Chow. But this should be a game that you should go and dominate. And you should not just dominate in throwing deep passes, but you should dominate in not in stats, but becoming a better football team, running the football, setting up plays, running series, running different stunts, running different uh, formations on defense, different coverages on defense, so that you can come back and teach off of them when they aren't run correctly. You've got to go in this game wanting to win, obviously, and you want to win, win convincingly, but you don't need to win 80 to nothing. It doesn't prove anything, and you've thrown five touchdown passes of 80 yards apiece. That's not making you a better football team. You've got to become a better football team. And then after that, the other games that you're playing, Washington State, don't ever take Washington State for granted. Mike Leach is the type of guy, ran a lot of guys off last year that didn't believe in his system. He's got them back this year. They're believing in his system. He had a pretty good recruiting year. Mike Leach is somebody that you just don't assume that uh, by showing up you're going to win. But you've got to work on things. You should be better by the Washington State. You should be able to beat Washington State. There's teams that you just know you've got to beat, and you can't just be struggling with them, but you've got to become a better football team before you meet, like Arizona State on the road. I'm not going to go over every game. But, uh, yeah, uh, I I think that it's very, very important that SC has a short yardage offense, a goal line type of offense, a offense that can utilize its tight ends, utilize its receivers, and and I think they have the quality of running backs now that can give them the running game if you have the proper series for them to take advantage of it. Run outside, run inside, run your fullback, run some counters, keep them honest, set up certain plays. If they do this, I do that. And I'm waiting, really, to be honest with all of you, I'm waiting to watch this game with great anticipation to see just what changes the USC offense will have and also the changes and effectiveness of the defense. I'm with you, Coach. And uh, I think a lot of these questions are going to be answered. It'll be different. It'll be interesting to see what kind of questions we get next week after there's actually a game in the books and people have some time to write in and formulate the question. So it'll be fun to answer all of those. Um, but we still have some more to get to. Of course, we've got a lot of questions on this team and we want to get your thoughts on all that coach. And we want to get your prediction. Cause I know we uh, talked about that last week, but I'll go to Paul in Vegas for this one. 
It's like, we're well aware of the controversy of Lane Kiffin calling plays during games. How do you feel our coaching staff is developing both offensive and defensive schemes before the games? That's from Paul in Las Vegas, your neck of the woods. Well, Paul, uh, I'll tell you, from what I've seen, you've got a complete different defense, okay? You've got a 50 look, uh, and I've seen a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of their practices. You've got an attacking type of front, so obviously everyone's aware of this, so you're not going to run into the attack. You're going to run to the outside. You're going to go on quick counts. You're going to do different things so that they can't cover up their coverages. If you go quick, they can't show something and back out of it. You're going to run to the outside and run away from the blitzes. You're going to try to see different uh, how your uh, how your quick passing game goes against uh, the SC's defense because you've got to get your play off and, and throw quickly or they're going to get to you. You're going to want to test their corners early to find out. Now, the University of Hawaii has four receivers at a 6'4". They're very big. They're very dominating. Uh, Norm Chow's very optimistic about that. they got a quarterback that transferred from Ohio State named Graham that has won the starting job. So he's obviously going to throw the ball to the corners. Is he going to stay in the pack pocket and throw the ball? I wouldn't if I was Norm. I would roll out to the outsides, roll away from the pressure, and, and see uh, because if they're coming inside, I've got to get away from the pressure because I'm not going to keep the front seven of USC's out. On offense, uh, with USC, I, I haven't seen any change. It's the exact same offense. I haven't seen any new plays. It's the exact same offense as, as you've seen last year and the year before. It's uh, the toss. It's uh, the fullback not involved in any running game. Uh, I see very few screens. And I hope I'm not giving a scouting report. I think everybody writes about this. Uh I, I saw them work on short yardage a couple times and running to the left. I was impressed. I think that this young man, Justin Davis, is the closest thing to or the best back that has been around SC for a long time. In fact, I talked to John Robinson uh, Saturday, and we were both talking about Justin Davis, and he feels, too, that he's uh, the next coming of a, a Marcus Allen type of player and a tough kid. Now, you've got a great selections of running backs. Uh, will the offensive line be tougher? Mike Summers, the offensive line coach, has certainly worked on that. We'll see what happens. You'll be running against some tough Samoan type of defensive linemen. By the way, they lost their top defensive linemen in practice last week, so uh, that was a blow to Norm Chow. But you've got to be able to see if if they've improved on their series, their play calling, their play action passage, and the usage of all of their teammates. I mean, the receivers, the tight ends, the whole thing, make it easy on the offensive line by, by doing certain things. And believe me, the number one thing everyone is looking for, and I think you are as far as listeners too, is there a dedicated effort in running the football? And how are you planning on doing that and hitting all the different areas in the uh, defensive uh, line area in your offensive area to be able to do that? So that's my feeling as far as that. All right. Uh, good stuff there. I know people talk about that quite a bit, and we get we get questions kind of along those lines, but I thought that was interesting, and I agree with you, especially on defense. It just looks like a whole different whole different scheme out there. It is a whole different scheme, and uh, I'm really curious to see how this, this team performs. Um, ben Ficht had a question here, and he said, I've, on a number of occasions I heard Coach Harvey Hyde observe that USC's running strategy is missing some things and doesn't adapt well to the defense it's facing. The phrase from Coach Hyde are, not attacking all the gaps, 
not light, widening the line splits to create more seams, not running the fullback at all, not running draw plays or toss sweeps at all, not running to the tight end side. I don't know enough to evaluate the subject, but Coach Hyde's comment, comments come across as a coherent criticism of Lane Kiffin's strategies and lead me to question Kiffin's knowledge and talent. I feel no need to defend or attack Kiffin. I'm just making this, uh, I'm just asking this strictly to understand and learn. My question is hypothetical, uh, hypothetical to Coach Hyde. If you and Lane Kiffin were seated in a room, what would you tell him about your observations from above, and what do you think Lane Kiffin's response would be? Well, I, I don't know what his response might be. Uh, I wouldn't want to say that on the air. <laughs> but uh, but I, I think that the, he would say um, interesting. And uh, But I think that he's the type of gentleman that, that has his own philosophy and obviously believes in what he does. And I'm sure others have described maybe some of the things I have to him. I, I know that the number one thing I would have done, at least if I was Lane Kiffin, I'd have sat down with Clancy Pendergrass when he came in, and I'd have sat down and say, tell me our tendencies. Tell me what you did to defense us. Now, they beat Cal. Don't get me wrong. But I'd want to know every single thing you knew about our offense and where we're strong and where we're weak. I'd want to break that down completely to understand what they did to try to beat us. And then I'd look at myself and I'd draw up lines on the board and I'd say, and then I'd done this and every coach does this. There's the eight hole, the seven hole, the nine hole, the three hole, the four hole, the five hole, all the way across the line. Can we hit those areas? You draw a line. And how are we hitting those areas? Are we hitting it with the tailback, the fullback? What are we doing? Uh, are we... If we run to the right on this play, do, do we have a counter to that? If they're loading up over there, do we have formation tendencies? Uh, you have to break it all down to be able to know. Myself, I'm one that says, if you have a player on the field, utilize him. Have your best 11 on the field and utilize him in some way. Uh, I think if you're going to run an I, you just can't run an I when you're going to run a power offense and run for short yardage. You've got to run an eye, and you've got to run other things off that eye. The complete offense, the toss, the eye, the belly, the trap with the fullback, the draw, all these different holes that hit different areas. So you don't have formation tendencies. So you look at these things, and then, of course, you have play action off of these different series. I think anybody that played football knows you have different series. Series means if they do this and we're running this, we're going to do that. We're going to do these different type of things to counteract or set up certain type of plays that will work uh, because you're overplaying something. Uh, this is the one thing that, uh, like last year, I thought they ran the bubble screen way too many times. People would come up and smack that play. Now, of course, it made some yardage, but I think there's a lot of other things that you can utilize rather than just a bubble screen. I think you've got to utilize the entire field, which are running game and passing game, and you've got to be in control of the defense and help dictate to the defense where the defense sees you in a formation and doesn't say, oh, watch this play and watch that play, but that's all they run in that formation. And I think basically that's what I would be telling Coach Kiffin if I was sitting in the room and I know that he would have an answer for me. So I'll just stop at that. <laughs> um, I mean, I... I think, I mean, I agree with you. I think that part of it is, it's not that if Coach Hyde saying, 
you know, I'd like to see this, I'd like to see that. There's not one way to play football. And there's difference in philosophies and different and when and when one's not working, it's I think it's easier to criticize and you could say, Well, you could have done this and maybe that would have worked, maybe that wouldn't have. But I I think just you know, for for Lane Kiffin's side, there's certain philosophies that he goes with and there's certain philosophies that I know Coach Harvey Hyde go with and all the coaches kind of have different things. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways to, to do this, right, Coach? Exactly. There's different ways to win. And uh, if you believe in something, you stick with something. In fact, I was asked a question last week about that, and I said one thing that Lane Kiffin has done since he's come to USC, he has done what he wants to do. He is doing it his way. So my suggestions, and when I talk, I'm just talking about things that I see that might help him in his way. But again, he's doing it his way, and uh, he he knows what he's doing, and uh, and of course, uh, I hope it's uh, it all works well. But uh, I think there's, you know, I'll just stop at that. I just think that uh, he's got great personnel. Okay. You got great personnel. I think they all should be touching the ball and the linemen. You can certainly make it a lot easier on them when uh, when they don't know what the formation tendencies are, and when you when you split your line out a little bit more and create some seams and run the ball straight up the middle with the fullback and do some fakes and play action pass and trap once in a while and do some different things like that. All right, we had one from Jamal, who we know is not a big. Uh, Lane Kiffin fan, but I thought this was kind of an interesting question, at least the, the subject around it you can get into. Um, what percentage of the game does a coach know about their opposition before the teams uh, go in to, to play a game? Someone asked Coach Kiffin recently if he knew what Norm Chow would be running on Thursday, and he said no. Is that a real disadvantage for us, uh, Jamal? But what what do you really know, I think, going into a game, especially an opener where it can be kind of a challenge? Well, what you do is you go on what they have done in the past in an opening game. Sometimes you exchange films. Sometimes you don't exchange films. Obviously, in the first game, there's no films to exchange. So what you do is go back and look at all of the games from the past year, and you break things down. You cut them all up, and you know what they're doing formation-wise and who their favorite routes are and all the different things. So you can put together a game plan, but you're really not sure what they're going to do, but you can't evaluate their new personnel. So... uh uh, you go into a game plan basically forming your game plan on what they have done in the past. And you try to do things that you're standardly uh, safe on. You're not going to take chances at first until you feel a little bit of what they're doing. Well, you want to know what they're doing on offense. You want to know what they're doing on defense. Immediately you want to find out what they're doing on first and long or, or first and 10 or third and 15. The uh, three of the third and two, you want to get these things immediately done from the box, but you can't see on the field everything, so that when you face these defenses, the next time you have the football in those type of game situations, you can assume they'll be in the same type of defense and you're ready to call your play accordingly uh, against gaps or whatever they might be doing. So uh, immediately you want to try to run different formations so you can immediately find how they'll, how they'll cover that formation with their coverages and what their adjustments are. And if they are the same as what they've been last year, then you know they're doing the same thing just about of what they did. Defensively, obviously, you play sort of base at first until you make sure you've got your guys all lined up properly. But you want to make sure that they're doing what they had done in the past. You don't want any big play on 
uh, early in the game on you, so you might play safe and you might go after him. So the main thing you want to do is at first evaluate what their what their game plan is against you, and see exactly what they're adjusting to with your game plan against them. So in the first uh, series or two, you're trying to dictate some situations so that if that situation comes up during the game again, you know exactly how to attack it. All right, Coach. Uh, we have one more question before I wanted to get to your prediction. This is uh, kind of more of a conference question. I'll play this. It's a voicemail one for you. Here you go. Hi, my name is Sean from Lexington, Kentucky. Um, I just had a question for basically everyone uh, that do the podcast. Uh, I live here in, obviously, SEC country, and I had a friend make a statement to me, and I kind of wanted to get your take on it. Uh, basically, what they said was, through this dealing with sanctions by USC, that Stanford has become the enforcer of the Pac-12, where that's where USC, well, we used to be. We used to essentially be SEC team playing in the Pac-12. Um, I just want to know, do you agree with that by any means? I, I can kind of see where they're coming from, but obviously when you have limited scholarship numbers, it's it's going to take its toll. So uh just thought I'd see what everyone thought about that statement and fight on. Well, um, Stafford has certainly emerged with uh, Harbaugh turning around and making that uh, program not only a great football program and good recruiting, but a tough football program. They are tough guys. They are guys that believe. They are guys that uh, win in the trenches. Uh, every time you play Stanford, you better be ready in the sta- in the trenches with their, their offensive line and their defensive line and just waiting there to kick your butt. They take great pride in that. They take great pride in pe- playing what you might call old-fashioned football. Nothing fancy. Just line up and kick your butt, and they've been very successful at that. They've been very successful no matter who they play against because they're very physical. They've taught, they've been taught to be physical. It basically is what USC was, a very physical type of football team that used to line up and just beat you to death. Not only did they beat you to death, they hurt you too at the same time. So there's been a different philosophy at USC as far as being that type of football team. They are more of a finesse type of football team now where if you were to look at that team and you say, does that team want to run the football or pass the football, I would come out and say they would rather pass the football than run the football. At Stanford, they'd rather run the football. They'd rather hurt you and keep the ball and then play action pass and punish you that way. So Stanford is one that still is playing that type of football. They're playing very similar football like, of course, Alabama and these other teams that line up and beat on you, like Wisconsin. So... Oregon has been just as successful, but they've had a different type of scheme, and they believe in what they do at Oregon. They play great defense. Now, I'm going to tell you, I, when I look at Oregon, I say, oh, my gosh, their offense. But you know what I look at? Their defense. Their defense puts their offense on the field. Their defense is so strong, their offense gets the ball back and gives them so many opportunities to score on you and score on you quickly. And then all of a sudden you try to catch up, and you can't catch up because of the way the defense is playing and also because of the way the offense is scoring. So there's all different ways people believe to win. Arizona State is hard-nosed now, but a hard-nosed coach in Graham. And Rich Rodriguez, he'd just soon play. He's a hard-nosed type of coach. Uh, you've got these Mike Leach is a hard-nosed type of coach. Greg Riley, 
his kids play above their heads every single year. Every single year they'll beat somebody or beat everybody, and all of a sudden they're in a, a major bowl game. And what do you hear about them in recruiting? Very little. So it's the philosophy of what you believe in and who you are. And I think Stanford is one of those teams on who you are. They'll play any place, anywhere, anyone, and they'll play well against them. So, you know, uh, and other teams in the conference can do that too on who they are. Oregon is who they are. Arizona State is starting to become who you are. Jim Moore at UCLA is now starting to bring that over-the-fence gang is gone. It's football here and who we are. So I think that's what's happened to the Pac-12, and it's caught up with the USC because the USC doesn't have the dominance that it wants. And of course, the sanctions have hurt. Obviously, there's no questions about that. But you look at Ohio State, they have only 67 or 68 players who are ready to play in their opening game that are on scholarship. So you have less numbers at USC. You hope you don't have the injuries at USC. But as far as frontline players, look at the recruits that USC has, even this year. When you look at the verbal commits and you compare it with any other team in the Pac-12 currently right now, and I think, Ryan, you'll agree with me, they have more higher-ranked players than anybody else. They just don't have the numbers yet than that some of the other schools have. But they've got the biggest, uh, if you want to count up the number of stars, they've got more stars than anybody else, right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right. So, uh, you know, so that's what it is. Southeastern Conference, let's take our hat off to them. They know what they're doing. They're the most publicized conference in America. They feel they don't have to play anybody in non-conference that's any good. They have sold you that the last seven national championship teams have come out of the big, out of the Southeastern Conference, but they have. They hope this new playoff system that they have, the four teams that will be playing for the national championship will be all out of the Southeastern Conference. That's their goal. All right, Coach. Well, before we let you go, we wanted to get your, your thoughts. We kind of mentioned it last week, and you said you were going to wait till this week of your predictions for this USC team. So I'll let you go at it and hear what you have to say. Well, I think this USC team has the potential of being a great team. I really do. Uh, how and what happens and what the future will be of this team will be, first of all, who they are. Are they going to dominate football on the side of the offensive side of the football? Uh, they've got to be somewhat uh, lucky injury-wise. They've got to be able to take advantage of opportunities and not blow opportunities. And when they get scoring opportunities, if they take advantage of them uh, and call the right plays and dominate and say we are SC and defensively they come after you and they solve their secondary, I believe they have the pro- uh, they have the potential to be a great football team. I really believe they're going to be better than a lot of people think they're going to be. I think the kids have really rallied. I think the new coaches have really helped. I, like I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing the first couple of games to see who they really are and if they are for real and if there is some changes that have gone on. I would like to say that I think the team has the potential of going 12-1. and Now, they have the, they have the uh, 13th game with Hawaii. That's how they go 12 and 1. They could play 15 games uh, if they went to the championship game uh, and also the uh, bowl game, uh, Pac 12 championship game. Uh, they have key games on their schedule, 
but they have the potential of winning all these football games. Arizona State is a team that's going to be challenging. I thought uh, they played well against them last year. They got to beat them this year again. They beat them last year. UCLA, everybody thinks that UCLA, they talk about how they dominated USC. They didn't dominate USC. Notre Dame didn't dominate USC. I thought SC should have beat Notre Dame, to be honest with you. I think they blew that game, to be flat flat, frank with you. Uh, And uh, teams that have scored a lot of points won't score a lot of points on them this year if they can solve that secondary problem. I think the key of it is the uh, defense playing strong and sound, not giving up big plays. And I think also the offense maintaining ball control, utilizing its great talent, not trying to – not trying to create a Heisman Trophy winner, but create Ws. I think the uh, eleven and two would be acceptable. Ten and three, I would say bubble. So that's that's how I feel, and I feel they should have that type of football team. Which any of those three would be good. Are they acceptable? Eleven and two and twelve and one certainly are. SC people, I just want to say this. Don't want to play for second place. They want to win the Pac-12 championship and go to the Rose Bowl. That's their number one goal. And you know, you say, "Oh, things are different now." Yeah, things are different now, but you're still USC. And I think that USC will never be happy being mediocre. Mediocre. USC, the players, the coaches, the alumni, the media. Look at USC as a team to dominate. And I think that's what everyone's looking for. Coach, great stuff. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing all your insights. And next time we talk to you, it will be post-game one. So we'll at least get to talk about something what we saw in the game and all that over in Hawaii. But thanks again for coming on, and uh, great talking to you again. Thanks, buddy. Hey, let me know if we're doing it on Labor Day. I don't care. If you want to do it on Labor Day, we'll do it. Labor Day. That's interesting. Should That's we next do Monday. All right. We'll keep up, keep up on uscfootball.com. We'll let everyone know. But we, we might do it on Labor Day. We might tape it over the weekend. As long as we tape it after the game, I think we'll be okay. But we'll let everyone know. Check out uscfootball.com for more. And thanks again, Coach. And we'll be back. And guess in- what? I have a big announcement next week. I'm going to go on the Twitter. I'm going to be doing Twitter. Oh, awesome. What do you think of that? That will be great, Coach. And uh, you have to let everyone know your Twitter handle and – We'll uh, we'll talk all about your first Twitter experience <laughs> next okay, week. Okay, okay. Great. I'm in camp now. I'm in camp now figuring it out, okay? <laughs> great. All right. Well, all th- right, guys. Thank you. Good luck and have a great day. Yeah, thanks, Coach, and everyone else. Hey, back in 30 seconds talking with Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast talking with Dan Weber, uscfootball.com 
beat writer. And I guess the big question there, we have a lot of questions to get to, but I wanted to read this one for you first so we can kind of just jump into what everyone wants to talk about. It's from our friend Pam, so we wanted to get her on the show. Uh, Can you discuss the advantages and disadvantages that the USC football team has by starting the season without a clear starter? Do you think that the decision was made because the quarterbacks performed really well and both deserve a shot in a real game situation? Or was this decision made because both quarterbacks have been consistent and the coaches don't feel comfortable with either quarterback right now? What do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, you hear a difference. I know, you know, just observing it myself, I, I would have been comfortable making a decision, and I would have been comfortable making a decision for Lane, and as a matter of fact, I did. Uh, <laughs> not, that that, not that that matters. I mean, you know, I see, let's say I see it one way. I think, you know, say a guy like Cody Kessler compliments Lane, that he helps, for example, uh, make up for, you know, some of the things that, that may not happen uh, with particular play calls or formations or, uh, you know, how they're being, you know, defended, surprise, you know, say you're surprised on a play or whatever. So I think that's a complimentary thing. I'm not sure that, that maybe Lane uh, sees it as that Max Wittick is maybe more the extension of Lane uh, as the way Lane sees the football game. So there seems to be, you know, because, I think if you really objectively looked at uh, at spring, and, and that was a, a tough break for Max uh, with his knee injury, but if you look at the spring, you look at the summer, and again, Max got, you know, mononucleosis, but you look at the leadership through the summer, and if you look at fall practice, you look at the QBR. Uh, Cody, you know, is ahead. I, I don't think there's any question, and people can say it's really close or it's closer to – no, it's not. There's one guy ahead. Uh, but, you know, the head coach has his vision. It's his offense. It's his, those are his plays. Uh, how it plays out, I think the problem that I've got, I don't know that you can even continue the competition necessarily in games because games are out of your control. It's not like you can give one. I mean, even in scrimmages, you know, they tried to have them be even. In one scrimmage, uh, Cody got 28 passes uh, and, and Max got seven because Cody led them on a couple of really, you know, length of the field drives. So even there, you couldn't set it up so it was perfectly uh, even, you know, competition. In games, it's, it's absolutely not. I mean, they haven't even figured out how are you going to divide it up. You know, they're not going to do it by possessions or by series as they do in scrimmages. You know, do it by quarters do it by feel. How do you, you know, if one guy's going well, do you take him out and put the other guy in? Uh, who do you start? They got to start somebody. I mean, that's a decision that, you know, well, people say, well, that wasn't fair. You know, whichever way you could say, oh, the guy went out there first. That was, you know, that was an advantage. Or you could say if it goes the other way, it was a disadvantage. Um, so, I don't make it out to be a lot of positives in those terms. Uh, uh, I probably would have said, if you're really not that absolutely certain, you go with the guy who's leading now, the guy who's won it. And then it's like Stanford last year. Uh, The guy they went with, uh, the Nunez kid, uh, who beat USC, uh, really wasn't their long-term guy. And Kevin Hogan came on, and, and David Shaw made the change, and made the right change, and, and Hogan looks like he's going to be a really, really good quarterback for a couple of more years, and Nunez transferred. 
so uh, you know, I, I think that would have been more the model to have a have a starter, and maybe that's what inside the team. Maybe by Thursday, that's what what happens. But uh, but I'm not a not a big fan of of having a couple of quarterbacks and saying you really can't uh, can't decide. And uh, it does add another layer of complexity to Lane's uh, uh, coaching duties for Thursday. You know, he writes himself notes on the, you know, on the Denny's menu. And, uh, does he have to have a note now saying, don't forget the other quarterback? Uh, you know, in addition to calling the plays and doing all the other things, uh, who's going to be, you know, in charge of uh, quarterback rotation. And that's going to, you know, you can have a game plan going in and it could change. And, uh, so not, uh, not seeing that as a, is a gigantic plus for uh, uh, for the opener. All right, and uh, we had a bunch of questions about the quarterbacks, but I think that was before people knew that Lane said that they were going to use two quarterbacks uh, again. We don't know Dan who's going to be the first quarterback out there. Lane Kiffin said that didn't matter. As far as depth chart goes, Lane Kiffin said the whole depth chart doesn't matter because that's just something that Tim Tesselo makes him do, the sports information director. <laughs> so I don't know what to make yeah. of all that. I did say somebody had a. <laughs> one of our posters, and I'm trying to remember who this was, they said uh, four, day, four days before kickoff, and that was yesterday, said uh, 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 no, co- uh, no, um, no quarterback check, uh, no, uh, no depth chart that you can you know, rely on check, uh, you know, and just had all the little, little checks uh, as to uh, how USC is rounding into shape for this, uh, for this opener. Uh, yeah, I, I wish it weren't uh, – I wish it weren't this way. Uh, I think fall, on top of summer and spring, should have uh, should have settled as far as it can be settled. You know, you can't have you know perfection. Now, if there is a an underlying uh, additional reason in terms of uh, you know transfer issues and all that, and, and clearly that's always going to be an issue uh, in every program in America. Uh, you know, when you have a situation like that, if that's an underlying issue and who knows, Lane could be taking a bullet, you know, for the team right now, you know, letting people second guess him is not making the call when, you know, there's something else, you know, working here and you really do want to keep both, uh, both guys in the mix. And obviously you do, and you want to probably be able to give Max Brown his red shirt and, and create some separation between him and the, the quarterbacks ahead of him uh, to give him two years behind them, uh, you know, then then it's a different story. But that's a story that will never be told because you just aren't going to say that. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. Let's move on. Uh, Melvin wants to know how do you feel about the offensive line as it stands right now in terms of being strong enough to lead the offense in both run block blocking and pass protection especially at left tackle left tackle feel pretty good about it, actually uh and pass blocking feel pretty good uh about that i think uh i think you know i think they were on the on the right track with the uh when they started mixing and matching and moving guys around i'm not sure that the uh kind of shoehorning andre walker in from left tackle to right guard was uh was a you know a competitive uh, move because uh, I think it had more to do with whatever the little curfew issue was um, 
and maybe, you know, showcasing and uh, Andre and trying to find a, a position for, you know, for him where he could contribute and where he felt like he was part of the team. I thought that threw him back a little bit. Uh, that was a week of, of uh, first team, not, not the best five guys together uh, uh, for all of those practices. And then you get, you know, Andre gets hurt. Uh, uh, Marcus Martin gets bumped up a little bit and gets a little gimpy. And then uh, John Martinez rolls his ankle a little bit. Uh, none of those are necessarily all that severe, although Andre Walker uh, certainly looks like the farthest, uh, you know, away from uh, from actually playing this week. But uh, But I think that's the fact that, you know, they're going these last few days with maybe not exactly the way they hope to go Thursday night. Um, it could be a little bit little bit worrisome. Uh, you know, how do they handle that? Do they have, you know, we all thought Abe Markowitz was going to be in the perfect spot to be the, um, you know, first backup at either guard or center. That seemed to get lost uh, with him on the scout team, uh, which w- was really difficult to figure out how that was going. That's no longer the case, and he's, you know, probably back in the mix and be kind of a neat story. Uh, kid in his sixth year gets to go back to Hawaii where he missed the, the only other time USC went there, and he broke his foot and couldn't go. So, uh, but uh, there's a little shuffling going on with that offensive line, and that's why, you know, they've got four people, you know, always are looking at this and saying it's a four-game preseason, and then Arizona State – well, maybe it has to be, and maybe, you know, they do have a way of, of developing, uh, you know, into the team they want to be um, over these first four games, and that's what they got to do, and I don't think they're going to anywhere near uh, the finished product that maybe people would hope they, were, they would be at the start of the fall when it looked like, you know, with Chad Wheeler stepping in at left tackle and just, you know, he and uh, Max Turk on that left side of the line, big, strong, young, tough kids, look like they're ready to play, uh, uh, you know, with veterans the other places. Uh, maybe they're not quite to where it looked like they might be able to be, uh, but it's certainly got to be a focal point of everybody in terms of, uh, you know, how this team, uh, you know, is going to be able to run the ball. And the other part of that is the shuffle at the, in the running back position as to, you know, they've got a, a kid listed, you know, Silas Red, great kid. You know, it almost seems like he's a, a graduate assistant on this roster. He's such a, a leader and a focal point for all the running backs. But he's listed as, a you know, a co-starter, and probably he hasn't carried the ball five times, you know, in camp. And uh, so there are some, you know, some issues as to, uh, as to how the offensive line and the running backs mesh in, in, in terms of the run game. Uh, let's see. Let's move on. We had a, uh, a voicemail question, and I, I, I want to just kind of bring this up to you because it, it didn't come out really uh, clear. It was very faint, so I'm sorry whoever sent in this voicemail question. I couldn't even make out who, what your name was, but he wanted had a nutrition question. I thought it was kind of interesting to throw in there and have you talk about that. Um, do you think that the team is getting enough nutrition uh, and you know, with the new nutrition program that's going on at USC? Well, the results look pretty good. I mean, when you get a max start, get, you know, gets, gets the 301 or something, uh, uh, you know, 10 days ago, and he was very proud of that. And he certainly, you know, wasn't having any luck at all gaining weight his first year, first fall here. Uh, 
uh, you get um, uh, Ted Wheeler going from two. 275 in the spring to 292, I guess, was the last time I asked him. Uh, yeah, I think, I think they're, doing, uh, they're doing pretty well. I'm not sure that the players, if you would ask them, said, what did you think of that asparagus pizza you got the other night? I'm not sure. They would say, yeah, I like <laughs> that asparagus. Give me some more of that asparagus pizza. And, and I know, you know, the nutritionist is very much – a nutritionist and, and very much, uh, you know, and, and probably if you compared USC's fare with, say, Michigan or Florida or Alabama or Notre Dame, uh, and, and, you know, I walked into the, you know, and had our choice of which buffet do we want to go to, probably USC's buffet line would not be the one you'd go to first. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, I think, super, super uh, aware of, you know, all the nutritional elements, but maybe not, uh, not, not the one that you would pick, uh, to have a, uh, just a great sumptuous banquet at, uh, but they're working at it. Uh, I'll give them that. I mean, results matter more than anything. And so far the results look pretty good. Uh, kids tell you, um, I guess Trey Madden is really pleased. He's maintained his weight at 225 throughout the throughout the fall and that's a good thing kids very often uh you know tail off or, or you know they're not quite where they want to be uh sua craven wants to be 215 he'd gotten to 230 in the summer uh you know when he was rehabbing uh he, he he's at 220 right now after missing you know missing some time but he said i mean he looks you know really you know 220 still looks um he looks great but uh, they seem to be where they need to be uh, Nathan Gertler, I think, uh, you know, for a couple of years is backing up at left tackle, a walk-on kid that probably if they've got a scholarship, you, you would surely think he deserves one. But he's now, you know, almost 6'7 and 295 and really looks the part. So, so I think it's, it, it, you know, it could be better. It probably could be more extensive, the nutrition program. But I think it's, it's coming close to the, you know, the target. Uh, area that that they're they're looking for in terms of these young kids developing. Uh, let's see. Matt has one. He said USC used a scholarship on long snapper Peter McBride. The idea was that during the sanctions it would take care of this position. But when I look at the USC depth chart, it only has them snapping for punts and someone named Zach Smith for place kicking. What's going on there? Yeah, Zach Smith, a kid from Northern California that came in. Uh, Remember that he was one of the first three or four kids out for the first practice, and said, "Who's that? You know, he, I think he had number 92 on that day. He's really good. I mean, he's. Uh, I think they're really impressed. Like Peter, I think, was always more of a long snapping specialist. He's got a rocket. I mean, his his snap was, you know, just uh, gets back there faster. I think Kyle Negretti said, "I don't know that there's anybody in football that gets the ball back quicker, but." Uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of accuracy, maybe or, or placement. Uh, you know, in ter- for the short, uh, short snaps, all that power may not uh, may not be as beneficial. Uh, you know, on those. So, uh, so from from everything we're seeing and hearing, Zach Smith is uh, is the real deal. They changed his number the other day to to 60 something. Anyway, they gave him more of an interior lineman's number, but he looks apart. He looks like he. Uh, he uh, he looks like he can get the job done, and that's probably a good thing. 
they have two different, uh, you know, long or snappers, uh, a long and a, and a short snapper. I think that's probably a good thing. And I think uh, what it says, I think, is Zach Smith can 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 get the job done. All right. Uh, let's see. We had a nutrition question. Here's a strength coach question. Martin. Uh, in Ontario, he said, what's going on with the strength training coach? It sounds like players are losing weight, getting healthier, but having more issues with injuries than what I can remember. What's the big deal with the coaches wanting the players to be quicker by losing weight? Can't the players get quicker by doing faster reps and drills than weight loss? Huh. I'm not sure who you're referencing. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, I'm trying to think. If I look at the roster, I don't see anybody that's lost weight other than Andre Walker over, you know, last year, and now he's probably at 308 or 310, something which just looks like about exactly right. Other than that, I don't I don't really, uh, not the tight ends, uh, not the running backs, quarterbacks are big. Uh, well, uh, Max Wittig went from 243 to 229 and looks way better uh, and, and is quicker. Uh, Cody Kessler's, you know, now he's also 6'2", Plus probably, but he's also not 215. He's probably too well over 225. And uh, you know, but <sighs> I'm trying to think. Is there anybody? Uh, and George Uko, I think, is is maintaining his. They want him at a kind of a quick 285. And I think that's uh, that's pretty good. Leonard Williams is you know staying right there at 290. Uh, the two ends are. Uh, or two deep, uh, outside linebackers, Breslin and Kennard, are both about 250. Uh, behind them, you have Scott Scar and Jabari Ruffin that are both at up at up to 240. Um, so Michael Hutchings is came in at 226 and and looks like he's you know held that weight. And they're certainly they put 20 pounds on uh, on Quentin Powell since he got here in the summer. So so I'm not sure that the Guys are losing weight. Uh, I don't. I'm trying to think. Uh, very, very few. Uh, I think they'd like them quicker and they like them stronger. They're doing more running. Uh, this team runs better as a as a team uh, than than you know than than you've seen in a long time. They've done more running, and they seem to you know have more ability. For example, when they run at the end of practice. Uh, it doesn't seem like as big a chore as, as, as it was. So uh, this is a team that uh, I think, uh, you know, runs, runs really well. But that's not because they're, they're slimmer. All right. Uh, let's go. Earl in West L.A. had an interesting one. Why do college football teams have multiple players wearing the same number? I was looking at the USC roster today. And there were 22 players sharing 11 uniform numbers. Is there a logical explanation? I think. Those guys like those numbers, you know. A lot of them, there's a sentimental reason. Uh, you know, they were in high school. Was, you know, it, it means something to them. And uh, I guess as long as there's no chance they'll be on the field at the same time. Now they've had to give um, both Nate, Nathan Gertler and um, let's see, uh, Justin, Justin Davis, Davis, uh, two different numbers, because there's a chance that they would be on the field at the same time. So Gertler. Is like 76 and 87, and uh, Davis is 7 and 22. Normal will be 22, but he could be on the field, say, on a special team situation with uh, Leon McQuay, um, and they'd both be 22. So you have to do that, but they're declaring that in advance. 
uh, no game time decisions <laughs> on, their, on their jersey switches. But uh, why there are so many, uh, you know, it just seems, I think some years that happens more than other years, but, uh, but I think an awful lot of it's just, you know, this is the number I wore in Wee in high school, and if it's available, I'd like to be able to wear it, and, you know, they'll, you know, they're fine with that, I think. Uh, I don't think there's any advantage, you know, there's no, you know, confusing people or anything like that. It's just uh, letting the kid, you know, have one that, that means something to him. Yeah, and then usually there's more than 100 kids on a team, so you have to <laughs> – you can't – Think about yeah. that, yeah, when you dress everybody. I think, you know, they're allowed to have 105 in, uh, in uh, uh, you know, until uh, until uh, classes start. So uh, so even then, you know, you've got over 100, and then they'll bring in, you know, more guys. So, uh, yeah, that's a good point. They, you know, there aren't enough numbers. Yeah. All right, uh, here's a voicemail question for you on the running game. Hi, uh, my name's Greg from San Antonio, and I was just calling to talk about the running back depth chart. Uh, I see it's being assumed that uh, Silas Red is going to be the starter for the Hawaii game. Uh, the question I have is, should he not go in these next few practices? Uh, what would you think about someone like Buck Allen stepping up and getting more reps uh, I don't know if his uh, pass blocking has improved or anything, but I've always been a type of guy of uh, type of, you know, show me and earn it. And if these guys like Justin Davis and uh, Buck Allen are stepping up, then, you know, why not light a fire of competition under Silas and see if he can get uh, better? Uh, thanks again and slide on. Uh, yeah, Greg, I think uh, that question was the single question about the depth chart that was asked to Lane, it was something to the effect of, Lane, you've got uh, Buck Allen fourth on uh, the running back uh, depth chart, and uh, he's been the lone guy. He's been there every practice. He's played well. He's caught the ball. He's ran. You know, he's run the ball well. He's your, you know, third or fourth fastest guy on the team. He's 210, 215 pounds. What gives? And Silas Red hasn't really been able to perform. And Lane, that was when Lane said, I only did that depth chart because uh, Tim Tesla and the SID made me, and I spent about five five minutes thinking about it. So it's really not worth the uh, paper it's written on. So, so yeah, uh, I, I don't think right now Silas doesn't think he's really going to be ready. Uh, and I think that's more of an honor to Silas for what a great kid he is and what a leader and all the – he just brings so much uh, to the program, and you know his willingness to, you know, to, to come to USC from Penn State. So I, I think it, that's more what that means. Uh, Justin Davis, you know, they really want to give him a chance. He's got an awful lot of things that he does well. You know, he's been banged up a couple of different times. So um, you know where he is in terms of certainly looks like he's getting back to a to a good place. Trey Madden. Had the yellow jersey on most of the you know fall, but again they love obviously you know love Trey Trey Madden, but you would think it'll be uh, Buck Allen with those two, and and with probably you know Madden and uh, and and Justin Davis getting the first couple of shots because I I just think they think the upside of these guys with all that eligibility left and all that talent they really need to get them on the field if they're ready and. Uh, I think they know, you know, they know what Buck can do, 
and uh, one would hope that he, based on everything he's done this year, would uh, would get plenty of chances, especially catching the ball. You just kid is such a natural. He was a receiver in high school, and he, he's such a natural catch and run guy. And if you could, you know, single him up with linebackers and you know out of the slot, or uh, or you know, kind of the flare things out of the you know the backfield. He's he's really dangerous. So uh, let's hope there's something for at least three of those guys um, uh, Thursday. Uh, Sean in Kentucky had a voicemail question, uh, but I just wanted to, the, the the general gist of it was: What do you think the first series should be for USC? He wanted to see more of a, a focus on the run when USC normally passing. What do you think, Dan? Should that first series be against first Hawaii? Series, you know, honestly, I would like. I, I was a big, you know, fan of, of, um, of the, you know, play action roll, hit the tight end. I mean, you know, just go with the, the classic opening play that Pete Carroll liked to run. Now, you obviously they have to honor, honor the run, and you wanna, you wanna be the kind of team where, you know, if you're gonna, you know, uh, fake uh, Trey Madden, you know, up on the inside power or something like that, you want them to be, you know. Uh, thinking we got to get in there and stop that play. Now, whether you can do that on the very first play of the game, having uh, not, you know, had, had a chance to run the ball yet, I don't know. But I, to me, that was always, that always made you feel, you know, like, okay, this, this is, this is where this game needs to be. This is where this team needs to be when, it, you know, a def- defense had to defend the run on USC. He got the quarterback outside and he, uh, he threw the ball to the tight end, and, they, and you thought, okay, now they got to defend the tight end too. USC usually would go into those games with, uh, you know, wide receivers that everybody knew you had to defend, and just throwing that, you know, ball to the tight end to start start the game. And ideally, you know, if you can do that and you know pick up eight or nine yards or get a first down or, or get enough that where you can pound it in there on the next play and get the first down and get going down the field, uh, that's kind of my favorite. Uh, I don't favor the 360 spin move to a double uh, wide receiver on the left side with a quarterback throwing blindly on a play you just adjusted a little bit this week. You hadn't run it before, uh, kind of the way they started the UCLA game. Uh, not probably. I, I I don't want them to do anything that looks like they're trying to fool anybody or trying to be uh, really outsmart somebody or trying to nope just come up to the line of scrimmage run the play look like you know what you're doing confident comfortable get get the job done nothing special just boom let's go for it that makes sense dan uh we'll see if that <laughs> and happens. then how do you explain the ucla game <laughs> no it does make sense but i'm just yes <laughs> um <clears throat> Well, okay, one last one before we let you go. It's, we'll go back to the quarterback stuff since that's what everyone's talking about. From Rundy, looking a little different, he says, people are all bashing Coach Kippen for not naming a starter at quarterback. I think if there was a clear-cut winner, he would. And I, I know, Dan, you kind of disagreed with that earlier. However, the idea of letting Kessler and Wittick both play a half against Hawaii and proving who's number one on the field under game conditions is brilliant he says it appears it appeases everyone after all hawaii is supposed to be terrible it's not as if we're playing oregon state that's from rundy one of his thoughts on the quarterback situation well see i'm not sure 
you can, after all of this time, I'm not sure one half against Hawaii proves anything. And that's, that's part of the problem. I'm not sure that you can set it up. It's not, you know, the third exhibition game for an NFL team. This is, it's like a real, this is like a real game. So you don't have control of all the situations. And to say that, you know, a half of a, you know, when you think of all the variables uh, that can go into a, you know, a half of football, uh, I, I, if it were so close that you couldn't possibly make a choice, uh, maybe. If it was so, you know, there's no possible way. Uh, now, you know, just because I see it one way, you know, that doesn't mean that's how Lane sees it or should see it. Uh, he's got to see it the way he's got to see it, and it's got to be right for him. And um, whether it is or not, we don't, we really don't know uh, what all the rationale is here. But, um, but, but I'm not, I'm not sure that I would be comfortable with saying, um, you know, the Hawaii game by itself is enough to settle it. You know, I'm almost thinking if you're going to do it that way and settle it on the field, you probably got to continue it for, you know, more than one game. Uh, I mean, you don't, you just hope, you know, nobody implodes and, and, you know, then where do you go from there? Uh, uh, so one would think that if it's as close as everybody, you know, believes in their, you know, that the people who believe it's that close, it will probably be still pretty close after, after the Hawaii game. So I'm not sure you've advanced the, uh, advanced the case, uh, with the, with the Hawaii game, uh, because of, you know, circumstances change where you get the ball, uh, uh, who's in the game with you, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to rotate and, uh, things happen. And, um, I don't know that I'd like the idea of quarterbacks looking over their shoulder a little bit, or for example, I always thought that we had no idea when they, uh, you had the Matt Liner, Matt, you know, Matt Cassell and uh, Castle and, um, and Brandon Hance, uh, competition, from what we were seeing on the practice field, you couldn't tell who should win that. They were really, they really were, you know, close. But uh, Norm Chow basically decided on, you know, what he was seeing in the quarterback meetings, the film room, all that kind of stuff, and he picked Liner. And once he picked Liner, everything changed. Once Liner became the man, he didn't look like the same guy. Uh, so basically, you're, you right now, you're delaying uh, making one of these guys the man, making one of these guys, you know, the team leader. Um, and uh, I don't know that that's, there's an upside there uh, as much as, you know, whatever, you know, positive you get out of, um, you know, giving them a game condition, uh, you know, competitive test uh, Thursday. But that's my take. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. We appreciate that. And uh, I guess we'll see you in Hawaii. For the, for the big game on Thursday. It's hard to believe. You know, they got practice today, tomorrow, and they're heading to Hawaii, and uh, uh, it's just, you know, just two really, two practices before the, the kickoff. So uh, it, it took a long time to get here, and now it looks like, you know, it's all of a sudden, wow, it's here. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. All right, well, thanks again, Dan, and everyone else. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Enjoy the game on Thursday night against Hawaii, and we'll talk to you all next week.
You've been listening to the Pear Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on parastylepodcast.com or search for Parastyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.